Hi, this is Steve Kelly. Thanks for tuning in for the podcast of this week's Saturday Sports Talk program with Lauren Tate and myself. And a special thanks to the folks at Kirby Wealth Management Group for their sponsorship of the podcast. We hope you enjoy Saturday Sports Talk. When it comes to financial planning, most financial companies focus on your income. At Kirby Wealth Management Group, we focus on your outcome. That's why we know what it takes to succeed both on your balance sheet and in your life. It takes the right financial partner who looks at where you are now, where you want to go, and designs a financial plan to take you there. We're here to help you achieve the life that you're after, today and every day after. Focus on your financial outcome with Kirby Wealth Management Group. To get started, visit our website at justin-kirby.com. It's time for Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM WDWS Champaign-Urbana, where we talk all things Illini along with other area and national sports. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. Now, here are your hosts. Lauren Tate, and Steve Kelly. Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk with you until 11 o'clock right here. Mr. Tate is riding shotgun. How are you doing this morning, Coach? Doing well. Lovely day, actually. It feels kind of nice out there. Not 100 degrees yet. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe it won't be uh, today, but it will be again next week, they're saying. So get out and enjoy the weather. Getting ready to root for Hardy and Peters today in the U.S. Open. That kind of attracted me with those two guys from Illinois in there. Yeah, always fun to watch a major golf tournament. Uh, Colin Morikawa, one of the uh, leaders at five under par. And, uh, you know, I'm not sure that number's going to go much lower than that. I think if you're at five under par this time tomorrow, you're, you're, you're pretty well, close. Well, conditions yesterday were kind of scary. At one point, it looked like they were going to get rain, and it just passed them by, didn't it? It did, and it kind. Of, I think the wind died down. I think it was. I think it was easier scoring late than it was uh, maybe earlier. Nick Hardy, right in the mix at three under par, just a couple of shots back. He is tied for eighth. When was the last time Illinois had an alumni in the top five of the U.S. Open? I can tell you the answer. It was Steve Stricker in 1998, and 1999. Mm-hmm. He finished fifth both those years. But it, uh, it it's good. It'd be nice if he got a little more TV time, wouldn't it? You're, yeah, oh yeah, uh, your uh, memory would be a lot better than mine. Did, did Langley get into that one of those years that he, yes, he a, did. had an early run, and then of course he didn't finish very strong on Sunday. Right. But I remember him being among the leaders uh, at one point, and that's been Steve. That's been at least ten years ago. If not, you know, Langley has retired. Yeah. <laughs> Does that make you feel any older? Yeah, yeah, I'm feeling older all the time. Well, Hardy had uh, two rounds in the 60s, 69 and 68. Uh, Par is 70 at the uh, Country Club in Brookline, Massachusetts. So he is very much in the hunt. And Thomas Peters kind of quietly put up a 68 yesterday following his 72. So he's even par. Uh, Adrian Dumont de Chazart did not make the cut. Mm -hmm. He shot rounds of 72 and 75. And another player who now lives in Muhammad, Luke Gannon, who played at SIU. He had a rough start. He had a rough start, shot uh, 76, 80, and missed the cut. But uh, certainly a good experience for him and uh, those guys. And uh, that uh, 
U.S. Open continues this afternoon or mm-hmm. this morning, but uh, the leaders will be it going this afternoon. It takes really uh, accurate uh, long iron play to, to, to score in that thing. Steve, you notice how many times they're 170, 180 yards out, 190 yards out for the second shot on those par fours, and there's only two par fives. So that, you know, most of when you got par fives, the, the pros figure on trying to birdie at least a couple of those every day, and they only got two in this one, and so it's a lot tougher. The uh, U of I Open is going on as well down at Savoy, getting underway this morning, today and tomorrow. The U of I Open, the U.S. Open, and Father's Day always kind of come at the, the yep. same time, so something that a lot of guys and people have on their calendars around here. Uh, baseball. Cardinals playing some interleague action against uh, the Red Sox in Boston. And uh, Boston gets away with a win, 6-5 to five last night. Cardinals try to come back in the ninth, but couldn't get it done. It's interesting, those major league players, when they get a chance maybe for their only time to play uh, at Fenwick, Fenway, uh, are interested in getting out, going out to the, to the left field wall and looking from the inside and signing their names in there and all that kind of stuff. It's kind of unique. I mean, it's different than any other ballpark in, in the major leagues. I saw that some of that on the pregame show. Would you want to go in there? Did you see how dark and dreary it is in there? <laughs> sure. and tight and yeah. uh, probably didn't smell very good back through Not there. Not the way it smelled <laughs> 20, 40, 60 years ago. <laughs> That's probably right. Boston won it. It was an interesting pitching matchup uh, as far as Cardinal fans go. Michael Walker got the start for the Red Sox against Adam Wainwright, who was pitching not to Yadier Molina for a change. Yadier's yeah. on the I.L. Molina's on the I.L. What happened to Molina, by the way? Do you He's know? He's got a knee strain. It's okay. just bothered him a little bit. And That's tough when you have to squat back Well, as a matter of fact, he, he had thought about catching this particular game because of the streak they got going mm-hmm. uh, uh, with each other, he and Wainwright, but uh, I guess the, the pain was too much for him to do that, so he went on the 10-day. Well, Wainwright made just one really bad pitch, and, and he had 0-2 count on Story with runners on second and third. He had, he had made Story look terrible on the first two pitches. I never saw a guy look worse than he did on the second curveball strike, and then the, he threw a fastball too good, and Story singled. And that was the two runs that made it 3-1 to one that kind of set the tone for that game, basically. And, and uh, Steve, what happens... And it happens with the Cardinals, it happens with a lot of teams. When they're behind, they don't bring in the same relief pitchers that they would bring in if they were ahead. Sure. And what happens is the score gets, instead of the score being 3-1, to one, it was 6-1 to one going into the ni- uh, ninth inning. Right. Cardinals did make a rally, but uh, couldn't quite get it done. They had the uh, go-ahead run at the plate in their best hitter, but uh, the relief pitcher won that duel. But the oddity of the day is a team with a double-figure winning streak lost to a team with a double-figure losing streak. That doesn't happen very often. <laughs> you talk about the Cubs ending the Braves' 14-game winning streak and ending their own 10-game losing streak <laughs> with a one to nothing victory. Yeah. Cubs got, uh, I think, maybe uh, four pitchers. Was it three or four? I, I'm sorry. I don't. They had several relief pitchers that played. They pitched very well, I know. They scored the, what proved to be the only run and the winning run of the eighth inning and got that going. And uh, speaking of the Cubs, David Kaplan is one of our guests yeah. coming up. Uh, he'll kick off the uh, second hour of the show. He's had some rough things to say about the Cubs this week. Yeah. Well, maybe he'll temper it down a little bit. Probably not. Not just after one ball game. He can also talk a little bit about the White Sox, who uh, lost to the Astros 13-3. to The Astros put up a 10-run inning in that ball game and the White Sox are 30 and 32 
on the season right now. Cubs threw uh, Thompson for six innings and then threw three relief pitchers the last three innings. So they threw a shutout with four pitchers. Not a bad gig if you can get that done, and uh, certainly that helped get them off that snide of 10 straight. You know, they hadn't, they hadn't won a game since that Cardinal series. Mm-hmm. Which seems like a long time ago. Yeah, but the Cardinals were fighting. They won the series three to two, but yeah. it, it was a battle. Yep. So those are some of the headlines. I mentioned that David Kaplan, one of our guests. I'll tell you about the other guests. Corey Bradford, former Illinois basketball player, will join us at uh, nine thirty to talk some Illini hoops. Corey's back around, hanging around. Yeah, and he's been out there practicing with the team, so yeah. I, he'll be able to give us some inside information on what the, some of these guys. Look. Although three of the players are not there at this precise moment, Rogers ha- arrives, I guess, this weekend. Uh-huh. And of course, uh, Mayor uh, Meyer will be going to uh, classes uh, until July before he arrives, and then I guess uh, Melendez was at a wedding. Mm-hmm. So he'll he'll be back here this weekend, I guess. Yep, so they'll get uh, most of those guys here. And uh, we had a chance to – we didn't see much, but we were over there, and we'll hear some comments from uh, Brad Underwood as we move along. But we were over there a couple of days ago and had a chance to kind of to see the guys a little bit and uh, get a, a feel for identifying them, for one thing, because we haven't really had a chance to, right. to visit and with them yet. Danger and Shannon look like really mature athletic guys. I mean, they – Look like they're in great physical shape, and they're they are uh, extreme. I, I think that's the word. They are physical. They, they look mature. We've got the phone lines open, so we've got an open line going here off the top. If there's anything on your mind that you'd like to talk about, two one seven three five six nine three nine seven. Also on the guest list, Doug Bouchon. We'll talk some Illinois football with him. They had a a showcase kind of a camp on uh, campus on Thursday. They offered Kevin Hardy's son yeah. a scholarship, Camden yeah. Hardy. Yeah, I guess he's an edge rusher, but he'll probably be a linebacker, won't he? Right now, Hardy is a good name there. <laughs> Nick Hardy, Kevin Hardy. Yeah, not kidding. Camden Hardy getting offered a scholarship at the U of I. We'll talk more about that with Doug Bouchon. And our friend David Jones out east yeah, will join us at 1030. He's written some ra- great columns that but uh, I always like to have him on. By the way, there's a, a big debate going on in the NBA. Does, is Curry the greatest point guard of all time? Is Curry the, one of the top ten players of all time? I mean, and, you know, is Davidson going to put him in the Hall of Fame right now? What are they waiting on, <laughs> right? His coach, by the way, just resigned, too. And, something? and, and his and son's retired. taking over. Yeah. Um, well, I don't know. You could debate that, and I'm not – your your son Travis would be a better guy to ask than, oh, yeah. than either one of us about if well, he's an all time top tenner or not. He's considered the greatest shooter of all time. Well, yeah, I can go I'm, with that. I'm not prepared to. But that doesn't make you the greatest point guard necessarily. No, but boy, it really helps when you throw in all those <laughs> three threes. You know, maybe he's the greatest shooting <laughs> he, guard, even though he he yeah, it's a good question. Yeah. But, I guess, yeah. like all those kind of questions, you can debate those for a long time. Well, we always get into a great discussion when the guy's had a great series. And, of course, except sure. for, the, for the one game when he went 0 for 10, he's just sensational. I mean, the game prior to the 0 for 10 was, was an extraordinary performance on his part. And the Warriors wouldn't win without him, that's for sure. Back to a college basketball, the uh, Big Ten opponents were announced couple of days ago and who mm-hmm. you play twice, who you play at home. In case you have missed that, uh, here's what it is for the Fighting Illini. They play Indiana, Minnesota, Nebraska, Northwestern, Ohio State, Penn State, and Wisconsin twice. Mm-hmm. They play Michigan, Michigan State, and Rutgers 
in Champaign only. And they play Iowa, Maryland, and Purdue away. Iowa, Maryland should be down. Maryland's got a new coach. And Iowa didn't get many uh, transfers, didn't help themselves at center. Um, I'd say that. I think it's a pretty good schedule. Yeah, it looks like it right now, Steve. I mean, we don't really know who the players are going to be until the season gets here. But <laughs> for I us agree. or them, <laughs> I, I, from all from all indications, from all indications, the Big Ten is appears to be down um, dramatically this year. I mean, you you, if you at least six or seven, eight of those teams are not going to be as good as they were this year, based on what we know right now. That'll all change probably when we. Somebody will come out like Johnny Davis out of the blue, and and maybe it'll be Davis's brother. Maybe it'll be uh, Keegan Murray's brother. You know, it, uh, it could be. But uh, right now, it looks like uh, it looks like Illinois is in pretty good shape to make a run again, as they've done the last several years. The uh, women's uh, Big Ten opponents were announced as well for. Um Shauna Green's team, they'll play Indiana, Minnesota, Nebraska, Northwestern, and Rutgers, home and away. They'll play Iowa, Michigan State, Penn State, and Purdue at home. They'll play Maryland, Michigan, Ohio State, and Wisconsin away. So, They've got 18 games, and yeah. the men have 20. Correct. It is 9-13, Illini Palace, Saturday Sports Talk. We're off and rolling. Feel free to join us. We'll take our first break and be back with more after this. Stay with us. Mike Mary and his team at the Pella Window and Door Store want to thank you for what's been an incredible year so far. Looking for the right window and door for your next project from replacement, remodeling, or new construction? Go see them now. If you got a project later this year or into 2022, now is the time to start the conversation. The Pella Window and Door Store, easy to find, 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign, or visit them online PellaofChampagne.com. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly. We're chugging along until 11. Love to hear from you, 217-356-9397. If there's anything on uh, your mind that you'd like to uh, talk about today, we talked about uh, the U.S. Open a little bit, and we can do that some more. We talked about baseball. We've talked some basketball. College football is always a topic of discussion you said you had a question for me oh, yeah. well, if, if the if the big 10 moves to uh, change to drop their divisions in football and just have 14 teams and you would have three natural rivals that you would play every year what are the three natural rivals you would want for illinois Well, Northwestern will be in there because it's that's right in state. Yeah, Purdue because it's next door. Okay, I think of Iowa because it's next door. Okay, but Iowa may not consider Illinois. I understand it. that. And but you about, didn't say it had to be mutual, right? But what about Indiana and Wisconsin? <laughs> well, those were. I was coming to those, so that's five, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, you can't have five. You can only have three. I know, but you got to pick from. You got to narrow it down, and you'd like to maybe throw an Ohio State or Michigan in, but they're not going to look at it that way either. Oh, no. But you didn't say it was a mutual agreement on... No, it uh, isn't. It isn't, but, it, I, but I would... I, I know that uh, we consider Iowa uh, a, a really close, hard rival, but Iowa has since 
probably leans toward Minnesota and Wisconsin. Nebraska. I, yeah, Nebraska. Yeah. yeah. Although, if they had to choose, do you think they would choose Illinois? I mean, if they had to, if, if it came down to their uh, them picking their three that they want. I don't know. That's a Steve Dockerman question. The next time we have yeah. him on, well, he's he's uh, he's made some comments on it, but I don't know exactly where he settled. But yeah, but I, I was surprised that Minnesota would be considered ahead of Illinois if you're in Iowa. But I don't think it. I don't think it would. I think Illinois would be number one as opposed to Minnesota for them. Maybe. What do you folks think? Uh, give us a call if you want to jump in on that. Well, the problem is that Illinois has been so bad in football for so long that Iowa doesn't take it seriously anymore, and that's the truth. 20 years of just misery against Iowa from here. Right. Let's go to the phones. Uh, Steve in Princeton is with us. Hey, Steve, good morning. Hey, good morning, guys. Enjoying the conversation. But last Saturday I was really intrigued with your uh, conversation with uh, Jay Scheidler, and uh, Lauren made a comment. And I just wondered, when he went down to that Lawrenceville game, if he remembers the time of the year, like was it January, February, when he saw the four guys from Kentucky at that game. Because I got a story that took place the first week in December. I was the head manager at Illinois State, and we were going to go to Butler and play them on December 10th. And Illinois State had just hired Gene Smithson. Ron Ferguson left Thornridge to come to Illinois State to be an assistant coach. So we're on the bus waiting to go to Butler. And Coach Ferguson gets on the bus and says, Steve, come with me and Gene. He said, we got to change the plans. He said, you're going to drive Gene and I to Lawrenceville, and we're going to watch Scheidler tonight. And then after the game, we're going to go to uh, Indianapolis and catch up with the team. So I drove him down to Lawrenceville, and uh, we met Felling, and Felling took us to the Lawrenceville Elks Lodge after the game. And I can remember Felling, it was December uh, 9th of 1975, and Felling told Ron Ferguson, he said, you're going to get Scheidler because you and I are buddies. But he said, if Kentucky gets involved, he said, I don't think you'll be able to get him. But Kentucky's not involved with him right now. And then, of course, Kentucky got involved with him. But three days later, I took Jay Scheidler to a pizza place in Normal and two of his teammates. And uh, Jay said, you know, this is where I'm coming if Kentucky doesn't want me. <laughs> well, Kentucky wanted him. And he had a good like first said, year. He had a, he had a kind of a rough career there after his first year. Yeah. Did you buy his pizza, Steve? <laughs> But I, I, no, Illinois State bought the pizzas. I didn't. That's a violation. (laughs) Not anymore. But Coach Ferguson and Felling were buddy-buddy because that's when the IBCA just started, you know. Mm -hmm. And and Felling told Ferguson, he said, you'll get him if Kentucky doesn't get involved. And I don't know what at what point Kentucky got involved, but I think it was like January, February, something like that. Yeah, Ferguson's a great guy. and uh, it's too bad that he's not still with us. I mean, Fergie uh, was a coach at Thornridge when I was in Hammond, Steve. I was only about 10 miles apart from where our office was and where Thornridge was over there near Harvey. And uh, I knew Fergie way back. I knew him in high school. I knew him in college. He, he and I were in the same class in college. And he was a backup quarterback for Illinois. I mean, he, he never really played. He was, he was like the fourth string or something like that. He was, he was a quarterback at Illinois. 
Anything else, Steve? My, no, but that was just a great memory. And I was going to call in and ask Jay Scheidler if he remembered that. But my wife said, you're not calling in. You're driving on 74 through Champaign. we got to get to Indianapolis. But <laughs> I'd like to ask Jay if he remembered that night. But when we left the Elks Cloud at 12 o'clock at midnight with Felling and Ferguson Smithson, I knew why they took me along to drive them. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank you much. Yeah, good memories. Thanks, okay. Steve. Yeah, appreciate the call. We, we right. keep getting references to the Jay Scheidler thing. I it's amazing how many people remember him. Oh, yes. Yeah, for different reasons. I mean, uh, number one, he was a great player. and uh, He was a great shooter, but he was just a kind of a unique personality with, yep. with that uh, bleached out hair, and yep. people liked him for... Uh, for a lot of reasons, and he led uh, Lawrenceville to, what did I say it was, 103 and 15 or something like that was his record over the yeah, time he scored, he was scored 149 points in four <laughs> games. <laughs> Woo! That's lighting it up. You know you're good when you can, uh, what did you say, he had 55 points in the game and he missed a couple shots on purpose. He missed a free throw on purpose because <laughs> he didn't want to pass his brother. Right. And there are people that claim that Dennis was a better player than Jay. I don't know, you know, they were comparable. Yeah, I don't remember much about Dennis. But, uh, uh, he was before me, yeah. Yeah. I, I, mean, don't, I, don't remember, I don't remember him at all, really, other than you know, the talk about him. So back to the rivalry thing in Big Ten football. Um, who's going to pick that? Oh, well, I'm sure the athletic directors will have input on that when they meet and with the, with the chance with the commissioner. and, and uh, There'll be some controversy. There'll be some discussion, like we're having – pre and there'll be some post well, there's why is be, so and so there's going to be some people like the people at Indiana and like the people at Penn State who are really happy that there were that the divisions are no longer there yes. if that happens I mean they're going to vote on it next year but there's going to be people on this side who are going to say whoa let's keep it the way it is we're tickled to death to be on this west side with with a chance against we feel like we have a chance against these teams if we're in the same division with uh, if we were in the same division with uh, Ohio State and Michigan we wouldn't feel the same right i was trying to think who Ohio State's uh, three would be it would be Michigan obviously Michigan State probably Penn, and Penn State you, you see if you do that that's all you know that's three really really good teams uh, all in their division Whereas currently the teams you just picked for Illinois if if you pick Let's say Purdue and Indiana and Northwestern. Those are all teams that haven't been that strong. Iowa is a, a little stronger, but but and Wisconsin is stronger. But you know, you'd want to make it somewhere. I mean, I I, I don't think Indiana is a natural in that in, in in football. Okay. Because number one, they haven't played a lot lately. Mm-hmm. And I, That's right. And so I don't think that would be necessarily a natural, other than the and they proximity. Been, they've been as bad as Illinois. But <laughs> <laughs> maybe it'd be a natural there. But yeah. uh, neither one have been very good. But just the location doesn't necessarily bring that one out. But. Uh, that's a great question. And, and but you got the I, when we had Rab Johns on last week, I noticed that when we, that, that subject came up, he said Indiana wants out of this division right now. I mean, they're they're smothered. I mean, even if they had a really good team, they can't beat Ohio State and Michigan, probably. Right. It'll be interesting. Well, I'm sure that um, David Jones will have some thoughts on that and a few other things when we talk to him oh, a little yeah. bit later on. Oh, yeah. 9.25 is the time. 217-356-9397 is the uh, telephone number if you want to jump in on this or any other topics. Brad Underwood is out on the road 
uh, this weekend watching some high school action, doing some uh, some recruiting. He met uh, with uh, members of the media a little bit earlier in the week, a couple of days ago, to kind of talk about the guys that are here and the guys that are yet to come. And I uh, thought you might enjoy a few comments of what uh, Brad had to say about the, the rebuilding of this particular roster. We knew Kofi would not be back. You know, we, we felt very strongly that, you know, he was he was right where he was, first-team All-American, and that he would move on. So now it's, it's okay, how do you replace Kofi? Well, you don't. There's not 7-foot, 300-pound guys with his athleticism running around. Um, and I think versatility was a, was a key word with size. And, and we've looked to try to go get those guys in that, you know, 6'3", six, 6'4", six, to 6'10 range who can do multiple things. Um, I think we have the ability to play five forwards. I think we have uh, ability to, to do a lot of different things. We're very skilled uh, in terms of, of ball handling and, and driving it and, and, and shooting it. Um, and, and I like that. So it'll allow us to do different things defensively. I think our pace of play uh, can be exceptional. Uh, so, you know, we'll see how it all looks and comes together as we move forward. But uh, that was the plan. And we needed guys in the fall uh, with this high school group that um, could be guys off the dribble. And that was not one of our strengths last year. And we've got a group of guys in Sincere, Jaden, Sky, Ty, who can all beat people off the bounce, who can all get into the paint. Um, you know, Sincere's as athletic a kid as we've had. The other three guys are really strong, have great bodies uh, and great quickness. So uh, mission accomplished. Our staff did an incredible job of, of, of finding those guys, um, securing them. And, and um, you know, then we add the, the transfers of guys with size to go along with what we started two years ago with RJ and, and, and Luke. And, and we all know Coleman's versatility. So um, that's, that's kind of been the plan for the last couple of years is to, is to become bigger and more more versatile uh, at all spots. That's Brad Underwood. Okay, Steve, with the draft coming up Thursday, is Kofi going to get drafted? I wish I could tell you that. that maybe I could take it to Vegas and uh, win some money. But uh, I think he's got a chance. I, 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 I put it less than 50-50 in my mind, but I think maybe he's gaining some – the combine, I think, and the, and the individual workouts may have helped him some. Yeah, we don't know how he's really done in the individual workouts. No reports on those, right, except we know you might he, find that niche. You might find a, a yeah, yeah. He's got to find some a team that wants a player like him. But let me ask you the next question: Would he be better off not to be drafted and to pick his own team, you know, uh, to work out with and, and try out with? Sometimes you're better off. I mean, although you're. Your assumption is the team that would take him would be somebody that would want somebody like right. that. Right, that would be my assumption. But uh, and yes, would have a need for for a guy like him as a backup or or whatever, a few minute uh, few minutes a game kind of guy. And that's what all this time has supposedly been used for to figure out yeah what teams might have yeah. a like need and well, where he might fit in. I haven't seen any mock draft that has him in it. Right. So. It's likely that he probably will not be drafted, but I think it's less than 50-50, but uh, I think there is a chance that one team might think, let's take a chance with this guy. He's, he's a big horse, and he can rebound, and he can guard the basket a little bit. And there's probably a lot of conversation from some of these individual workouts that say, hey, we really like you. 
you you probably won't get drafted, but don't get discouraged. There's still mm-hmm. opportunities to to explore after that. Yeah, well, he's gonna he's almost certainly gonna wind up in the G League, regardless at some point at least, and he'll probably be uh, have a summer workout with some with mm-hmm. the team that drafts him or the team that that he signs with. I, he'll he'll sign with somebody. He'll he'll have a chance whether or not he gets drafted. He'll have a chance, but. Most of those guys get sent down. Right. Like Georgie. You know, mm-hmm. Georgie mm-hmm. got a contract and he's playing, but uh, he's playing in the G League. Yeah. And he played last summer with Denver and during the summer game, you mm-hmm. know, the summertime. So he'll get at least that kind of an opportunity, I would think. I would think so. Oh, yeah. I think that's definite. Moving up on 930, we'll take a timeout. We'll talk some Illinois basketball with Corey Bradford after this. Stay with us on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk here on DWS. Nine thirty-three, Illinois Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Steve Kelly, Lauren Tate, with you until eleven o'clock here on News Talk fourteen hundred and ninety-three nine FM WDWS. Good morning to our friend Corey Bradford, former Illinois basketball sharpshooter. How you doing this morning, Corey? I'm doing pretty good, guys. Thanks for having me on. No problem. Good to run into you the other day. You're back in Champaign, spending some time and getting a pretty good chance to. Uh, see some of these uh, new guys when they come in. Let's get your thoughts on on uh, what you're seeing in this roster transformation uh, for Brad Underwood. Uh, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm like you guys. I'm, I'm, I'm seeing some, some promising things. I think the guys are working extremely hard. Uh, Coach Underwood and the staff are doing a great job at getting these guys ready. And uh, one thing I'm very impressed about with the new guys, and, and obviously with guys returning, um, is, is just the mental focus of it. Um, you can see they're really engaged, locked in, um, and, and, and they're doing a great job of limiting the mistakes and, and, and really, um, you know, correcting those uh, weaknesses and, and obviously continuing to, um, to progress in our strengths as well. So it's, it's been fun to watch. It's fun to watch, especially when you get the new guys. Um, I've noticed that, you know, they, they kind of got old souls, in which I kind of like that. Um, and I think part of that is that, you know, obviously with uh, kids in high school these days, they're getting the same type of training as certain pros are getting now. So they're a little more um, um, far ahead compared to during the time when I was playing and stuff. And I'm, and I'm pretty impressed with them. You know, like I said, the mental focus on the guys and stuff has been, has been really impressive. Well, you played a lot as a freshman. That's not an easy thing to do, and, and certainly not now. But mm-hmm. maybe that's one of the differences from – then to now, these guys have played a lot, of, a lot more basketball probably than you had played at right. that time you got here against uh, some pretty good competition, right? Right, right, right. You know, like I said, it's, it's you know they're getting that, that that professional training at an early age, and and I always say like, man, I wish I had the resources back then like you guys have now. No telling what my game would have been like, but um, but but like I said, I mean these these, these kids are so so far ahead and stuff and. The one thing that I'm impressed about is just their approach and they're willing to learn and they're listening to the veteran guys who's been around, who's been through the wars, who's been through um, the tough times, the good times, stuff like that. So it kind of helps them out um, in far as, you know, to know what to expect when, uh, when the season starts. Corey, this is Lauren. Uh, are you actually working out on the court with them or uh, competing with them or are you coaching them or what, what is your role? Uh, my role is just being alumni. I'm just sitting back, observing. I'm getting back as much as I can. And, and Coach Underwood's style allows me to tiptoe here and there to 
uh, to help out here and there. But obviously, you know, it's only certain things that I can do and stuff. But at the same time, I'm learning, and, and, and I'm like a freshman now. You know, I'm picking up the lingo. The, the different terminology that coaches use is obviously different from what I was used to or what I know. Um, so, you know, I'm just being around, being involved as much as possible and helping out, you know, um, after practice or before practice and, and just getting back acquainted with the guys. Let's break down those three freshmen a little bit. Uh, the three the, the three guards that have been here before Ty Rogers, who hasn't been here yet. Uh, mm-hmm. let's, talk, let's take, let's take uh, Sky Clark for instance. Does he look like a point guard to you? And I know he's not 100% yet, but uh, uh, what do you see in him? I think he's, you know, there's, He's like a little pit bull. Um, he works extremely hard. Um, his, you know, he's he's that one guy, like I said, that has that old soul. Um, you know, he just kind of really laid back. He's not your typical over excited freshman that comes in and just kind of like all over the place. You know, he's really really poised. That's one thing I'm impressed about. But I think his leadership skills. Um, I think he he's gonna. You know, from observing, I think he's one of those kids that not as much as vocal, but he's going to really lead by example. And let's take um, let's take Epps. Uh, how do you see him playing? Is he can he play some point, or do you see him as a second guard shooter scorer? I mean, and that goes for all the freshmen. I mean, I think they're going to really make. Um, a pretty good impact, and obviously we we're going to need some minutes out of those guys, and um, and what those guys can bring, and um, I think with those with the three freshmen that's in, I think they can play two positions. I think those guys can play a little point, a little one, and and again we know Bryant is going to put a good game plan together with the with the with the type of team we have, and um, you know we can expect some up and down, but then again it you know it all depends on the opponent we play as well, so. Um, so you know, I'm 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 excited like you got like you guys. It's it's hard to know what to expect, and uh, once those lights once those lights cut on, then we'll we'll see what the team is all about. Uh, I would ask about sincere also. Uh, is he mm-hmm. is he comparable to the other two? I heard he's I hear he's more athletic than either one. Yeah, he's very explosive. You know, I mean, um, he's um, he can he can shoot the ball extremely well, and um, again, these guys are. With 17, 18 years old, is <laughs> it, it? They definitely make me feel my age. I look at them, and I come to realize, like, man, I don't think you guys were born when I was playing here. So, <laughs> uh, uh, so um, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm very impressed with those guys. I mean, and they've done a great job of of listening and and really, you know, when they make mistakes, you know, guys are correcting them and things like that. So, and their their mental focus has been so locked in. And I, like I said, that's that's one thing I've been really impressed with the guys about. Talking to Corey Bradford, and you mentioned the, your age difference. Well, that happens when you play twenty years overseas, <laughs> like you did, and uh, and now you're, you're kind of at a point in your life. I, I I would guess, Corey, that you're trying to figure out what's next and whether or not you want to get into coaching or get involved somehow. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. You know, my my. You know, once I was done playing, you know, I said I wanted to take a year and a half off just just for my body and and just to just to relax for once because I've been been like a machine for so long. Um, and once I came back for the reunion, you know, that switch just popped right back on. And I said, all right, it's time to get back in shape and, and get back as much as possible. Because my dream was always to be back in my alma mater because it's, it's so much that it's done for me and uh, so much I've learned here. And, and the things that um, that I that, that helped mold and shape me to the player that I became overseas. Because, you know, I always tell people that I was extremely lucky to, to play for two amazing coaching staffs. And those things that I learned from those coaching staffs carried on to my pro career. And that's the 
that's the reason why I played so long. In those all those years overseas, what was your favorite location that, that you played? What was your favorite uh, stop? That's tough because I I was blessed and lucky enough to play in some really cool places. You know, I played in Paris for two years. I played in Hungary for four years. I played in Dubai for two years. I played in Egypt. Uh, I spent a lot of time in the Gulf, um, South America. Like it's 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 a handful of places. But one place that I say that will stand out the most that I continue to have a really good connection with would probably be hungry. And that was my first time. Those fans were amazing and they pretty much followed me throughout my career um, in other places as well and stuff. But I played in some amazing places. That has has to be a great experience. Just not just basketball wise, just uh, overall lifestyle uh, things you learned out there. Oh, absolutely. You know, you learn different cultures and I'm always open to, to learning different things and trying new foods and, and learning about, you know, obviously different cultures and stuff like that. But, you know, like I said, I was blessed enough to play in some amazing cities and countries and, um, you know, and, and wasn't wasn't unlucky to, to play in some small towns where it was only a McDonald's and a grocery store and a gym, you know what I mean? So I was able to play in some, some really good places where the atmosphere was, was very open to culture and things like that that I was willing to learn. And, and again, if it wasn't for basketball, I don't that that stuff obviously wouldn't be possible. Did you ever play in a gym that had to put a cage around or anything like that? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Many is, times. Many times. Is that right? Been on, been thrown things at and stuff like that. <laughs> that's, that's, that's part of playing overseas, and that's what makes it fun. That's what makes it challenging. And I always tell people, like, you know, overseas is not for everybody. You know what I mean? It's different food, uh, different culture, and obviously different style of play. And, you know, it's, it's – it's it's a big adjustment for certain guys, so you definitely have to be mentally strong to to be able to to maintain that. Did you ever play in a prison? <laughs> no, no, not at all, not at all. But it yeah. felt like it at times the way you pick <laughs> up. It was definitely prison. It was I, definitely prison rules in some games. I got you there. I played in Sing Sing. <laughs> I really did. <laughs> Believe that or not, but uh, anyway, that's a long time ago. But. Uh, what was it? Can you talk about salary at all? I mean, were you able to make a good living over there? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that was one of the pluses being over there to, to really um, um, to make a good living and make a good salary because, you know, when you go to a lot of these teams, your your room and board is taken care of. Most of the time your food is taken care of. They usually, they usually give you uh, per diem for food or they usually usually have a restaurant through one of the sponsors there and stuff. And usually those restaurants are pretty, pretty good. Um, give you a car. Um, the only thing you have to pay for is your gas. Mm-hmm. East, That'd be bad now, wouldn't it? Maybe a dollar a gallon, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, um, you know, again, you're, you're taken care of from, from top to bottom. Um, uh, like I said, I was lucky enough to be in, play for some, some really big, amazing teams, and, um, and I was extremely comfortable and never had any money issues with money being late or anything, with salary being late or anything like that. So I was I was very fortunate. Yeah, I've heard those stories you over the summer. Yeah, no, I, I've heard some stories, some really rough stories about yeah. uh, money that was promised but never paid, you know, and guys right. would have to right. start over the next year and try to make sure they could get their salary. Having right, uh, right. played that long and, over and there. That was lucky. Go ahead. Yeah, and it's, and it's, it's one blessing that you know, I've played 18 years over there and not once has, you know, my, my money was late, and which is unheard of. You know what I mean? I like not one day, not one minute. And part of that is my representation, you know, with Keith Kreider, the Edge Sports, who's an Illinois alum, 
Uh, we've been together my whole career, and he's obviously been able to place me in certain situations where I didn't have to worry about the headache. Mm-hmm. I bet you ran into a lot of uh, former teammates in, in, during those times too, right? Yeah. I've, you know, me and Demir, we actually played together in France. Um, that was 2008, I want to say. We were U-League together in France, and I actually played for Demir 2018 in Bosnia. He was actually my boss. <laughs> well, Carpaglio turned out to be a. I, I think the. I remember that he left early. He had one more year of eligibility when he left here, and that first year he was gone. I I remember he had a terrific year. He he turned out to be a heck of a pro, didn't he? Yes, absolutely. Because you know he was a national team player with Bosnia's national team, and Demir had a a really good pro career. We had a great time in France when we picked him up, um, and you know he's 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 played a number amount of years and. He's one of those guys that kind of retired a little early too, and he probably could have could have snuck an extra, extra couple years in before he retired and stuff. But you know, he's he's doing extremely well now with him and his family with the travel agency. He's uh, managing a lot of things with um, um, with the local basketball academies in Bosnia and stuff. So he's doing extremely well, and we, you know, obviously all of us are still in really good contact and stuff. So, so Demir's doing well, doing well. All the guys. Well, let's get back to the Illinois team a little bit. What is it about? Um, Underwood, that you know, I know you never played for Underwood, obviously. Uh, uh, what what is it about his coaching that that strikes you? Coaches, he, he has energy. You know, what I mean, it's it's you know, it's like that with all the guys. I think they they push out so much energy in practice, and 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 coach coach has that authority to him where you gravitate to him. You know, when he speaks, you you lock in and you listen. You know what I mean? And I think that's one thing that that really stands out the most. And he's in a way, he adjusts his communication with certain guys. Cause, you know, obviously, certain guys you can't speak to, and you know, in, in, a, in a tone compared to other guys and things like that. And I think that's an adjustment he has, and and a connection he has with the guys, which is a huge plus. Hey, Corey, one final quick question about uh, the next level and where guys might play. What do you think about Kofi? Uh, do you see him uh, getting drafted with with a chance uh, for the NBA? Do you see him maybe going uh, overseas to play? What are your thoughts? I think he, I think he'll find he'll, someone to pick him up here, and I think it, it'll be a, a good pickup for teams. And obviously, as time goes on, he's going to develop more and more skill level, whether it's jump shot and and uh, in other aspects of the game. But I think um, if the team's smart, they'll pick him up because he's a big body, and we both and we all know that. He he moves different at that size, and it's and it's rare to find guys that size that can move the way he moves. Um, he's strong, athletic, so I think he'll find a place. That's, I think he'll he'll get picked up. That's Corey he'll, Bradford. He'll, surprise, he'll, he'll definitely surprise a lot of us. Right. Well, uh, one one more question for me, uh, Corey. Uh, have you talked to um, Whitman or anybody uh, about the possibility of, of uh, going to work for the Illini? Well, it's in the works. Like I said, it's things like this takes time and stuff, and um, mm-hmm. obviously, I recently you know my last couple of visits or whatever they kind of um, you know put that out there and stuff and so um it's in the works it takes time and and obviously i wanted to be back as much as possible and now i'm able to because you know i gotta gotta remember you know I, I retired in 2020 so obviously nobody could get back during that time and stuff right. and, and what's good josh has been great he's been great he's you know definitely welcome back over arms with along with the coaching staff and able to me to be around the guys as much as possible and, and they and they applaud that. You know, they want that. They want guys like me around and stuff and I'm happy that the that the guys gravitate to me a little bit and I develop relationships with them and now that they know me and I kinda hustle them from time to time and shooting games and stuff and 
and uh, kind of scratch that itch for myself. So it's, it's been fun. It's been fun. I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying being back there in the gym and, and learning and, and um, you know, and just, just getting back where, I, where it all started. Hey, good stuff, Corey. Good to see you. We look forward to seeing you. more of you. Thanks, Corey. Thanks, guys. I appreciate you. You Take bet. Take care. That's Corey Bradford, everybody, with us here on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. We had a text question for you, Lauren, when you mentioned you played in Sing Sing. They wanted to know what you were in for. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing I remember is that one of the, you know, the inmates were the fans. The only people that were watching the game were the fans. I was in the military. Okay. And... Uh, one time, a ball was thrown and hit one of the officials in the head. The officials were guards, and everybody cheered. That's the only <laughs> thing I remember. Everybody cheered when the ball hit the official in the head. <laughs> 9.48. We'll take a break. We'll talk some Illinois football with Doug Bouchon. When we come back, stay with us here on DWS. 9.51. Well, I fellow Saturday Sports Talk, Tate and Kelly with you until 10 and then all the way to 11 as well. 217-356-9397 is the number. Let's bring in uh, our friend Doug Bouchon from Orange and Blue News, Rivals.com. Morning, Doug. How are you doing this morning? Hey, I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on. You out on the road? What are you up to this weekend? Yep, I am. I'm in uh, Chicagoland covering the uh, Riverside Brookfield High School tournament up here and uh, Brad Underwood is up here. Tim Anderson, assistant coach, is here. Uh, and we're watching some uh, 2023 and 24 kids uh, go at it in the shootout. So, Good good stuff. We'll uh, touch on that a little bit. But let's talk some Illinois football. It's kind of been an interesting time around here with uh, visitors and kind of a showcase camp. What have you learned uh, this week on the football front? I, I, I did notice there was a nice uh, offer to uh, – a former Illini's son, Kevin Hardy's son, um, Camden Hardy. That came this week as well, right? Yep, I just watched him at the – he was there at their showcase camp on thir- on Thursday uh, afternoon. He's like a 6'2", 215, 220 edge rusher. Uh, he doesn't have Kevin Hardy's length. You know, it doesn't jump out at you, but uh, he's, he's going to be a junior this year, and he looked pretty good, and they offered him um, – Yes, yesterday, so that that's kind of a legacy offer and a, a kid uh, that that they really liked at their camp. How how do you think uh, this period has gone uh, since the season ended and since well spring ball ended, the recruiting process? Uh, how, how would you rank for Illinois as far as the way things have gone so far? I, th- I think they've kicked it up a notch from last year's recruiting class. They're getting some you know some legitimate Power Five kids. Uh, they'll probably get a, a couple more commitments out of this weekend's um, official visits. But they they appear to do a really good job on official visits because the last wave of them they had two weeks ago they they got you know multiple commitments out of that. So so they're doing a good job selling them and you know rolling out the red carpet for them during their official visit. And the parents and the kids really like what they see. So I think they're doing a pretty good job. I, you know I, I think they wanted to get more from the portal than what they got. They ended up getting some kids that that kind of slipped through the cracks a little bit at smaller schools and maybe had some injury problems. You know, I think they wanted a little bit more impact, uh, especially at the wide receiver position from the portal. Um, but but uh, the, the high school recruiting is going pretty well. Could you tell us uh, what positions that uh, it looks like they may be able to help themselves in the next few days? Yeah, I think uh, they're going to get another – I think they're going to get another edge rusher. And, you know, there's a kid there that 
uh, Illinois is probably his best offer right now. Um, Murrigan is his name, and uh, mm-hmm. really good. I saw him at a rivals camp. Uh, really, really good edge rusher. Good size, good speed off the edge. Uh, they're going. They're probably going to get commitment from a kicker, which uh, you know you, you don't often offer scholarships to kickers, but they offered David Lano, kid from Neighborville. He he came to their specialist camp and was just just was really impressive. His kickoffs were going through the end zone. He was making just about every field goal, and they offered him. And he's going to. I think he's going to jump on that offer and probably commit this weekend. What about Hill from Kankakee, a defensive back? Jair, they're in good shape with Jair Hill. I think you know. I think it's a Big Ten battle. Uh, between them and Michigan, and uh, but um, he has a lot of good things to say about Illinois when we talk to him. I think they're doing a really good job selling him on playing right away. And you know, I love the kid. He's, I think we have him a three-star at rivals, but he's a four-star kid, I think, and real athletic, uh, physical kid. Uh, you know, a boundary corner type of guy who's really good against the run and and, and pass coverage. But, you know, I think they got a good shot at him, but I think uh, Michigan is right there, right there with him too. Any defensive tackles in the group? Uh, well, they just got one, the Jamarian. Uh, uh, you know, they got the kid a couple weeks ago, but um, no, I don't. With this group, I don't think there's any. I don't think there's any D tackles. Um, there's DBs, there's edge rushers, um, safe, couple safeties, but um, yeah, they need some more defensive linemen for sure. Talking to Doug Bouchon from Orange and Blue News, Rivals.com. All summer long, or all spring long, I guess. Uh, we're not officially the summer quite yet, but uh, um, the tour uh, tailgate tours have been going on across the state of Illinois. Have you been a ch- had a chance to been on it, be on any of those? I have. You know, between me and some other guys that work for me, uh, we went to just about all of them. You know, we went. To, uh, I've been to four of them myself. And they're getting a really good turnout. The, you know, the fans are turning out for it. Uh, especially the ones with uh, when Coach Bielema and and, uh, and uh, the uh, basketball coaching staff are there. Uh, they're getting they're getting a really good turnout, and uh, there seems to be some buzz about Illinois football. You know, second year under Coach Bielema, and they made some they made some progress last year with five wins. So I think there's some excitement out there. Back to basketball, where you're at now. Tell us about a player or two, maybe that you've seen uh, since you've been there. Well, I, I just got here today, this morning at nine. So uh, I watched uh, Nohus uh, Andreas, a kid who just transferred to, to St. Rita, and Brad Underwood was here watching him. And Tim Anderson, the assistant coach, was here watching him. And uh, you know, he played pretty well. He looks like he's getting a little fatigued. His flat shot was a little flat this morning, but uh, he's a high priority for him in the 24 class. He plays for the Mean Streets program, where Tim Anderson was a was a coach. So there's deep ties there. And they really like him. He's a six-six-six-seven wing, can shoot it, drive it, rebound it, and uh, just got in watching him. And uh, his his uh, St. Rita team uh, won by about twenty points. It sounds to me like just listening to people that certain teams are lining up a lot of transfers or a lot of players coming. You're missing St. Rita, and you know they're going to be exceptional this year. I hear Simeon's picking up players left and right and I hear Kenwood's got what how many six six guys do they have on their team four or five <laughs> I mean it, it it seems like the the players are uh kind of forming their teams that are going to be dominant uh by transfers is that accurate yeah I was talking with uh um uh, Nick Irvin you know he's an assistant coach at Western he, and he's he's calling it the uh trend 
high school transfer portal. <laughs> so, uh, so you know, it, you know, it's just like college. You guys are just jumping, jumping ship. And uh, the kid I just watched today, Nohas, he, he trans, he's transferred to uh, St. Rita, and they're going to be loaded with Illinois recruit Morez Johnson and James Brown, one of the top 20 kids in the in the 14 class. So a lot, a lot of moving pieces, a lot of kids coming in, and a lot of kids leaving the state too still to go to uh, prep schools. But uh, uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of movement, especially in Chicago. That's Doug Bouchon from Orange and Blue News, Illinois.Rivals.com is where you can follow Doug and his uh, staff. We appreciate your time. We'll let you get uh, back to watching hoops, and we'll talk to you soon. All right, cool. Uh, on the site right now, we have the whole list of visitors for this weekend, and we kind of handicapped uh, which ones we think they're going to get. So okay. check that out. Very good. Thanks, Doug. All right, thanks, guys. You appreciate bet. it. Doug Bouchon with us from the Chicagoland area at the moment. At uh, 9.59 on the Lanai Pella Saturday Sports Talk and the folks at uh, the Pella Window and Door Store would like to help you find the perfect window or door for your home, whether you're looking for new or replacement windows and doors. The best place to start is at their showroom, 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign. That's where you can see the products in person. You can discover the beauty of wood windows, The um, take a look up close at the Between the Glass Blinds, and check out the durability of fiberglass entry doors. Pella has been rated number one by Champagne homeowners as the window brand that can improve the value of your home. And that's what it's all about. The Pella experts know all about what uh, type of window or door works best for each unique situation. And working with them is really an easy process as long as you build in some lead time. Because uh, the way things are now in the supply market, you need a little extra time. So if you're thinking about uh, windows and doors, think down the road a little bit. But they're standing by to help you along the way from the shopping part to the installation as well. Again, visit the showroom to uh, get started, 1001 North Country Fair Drive. That's where you'll learn more about the styles, materials, and options available. The Pella team has the knowledge and experience to help you find the perfect Pella product for your project. They're open Monday through Friday, 10 to 4. Saturday by appointment. Check them out online as well, PellaofChampagne.com. It is 10 o'clock, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk, hour number two is up next. My name is Denise Martin. I'm a diehard Illini fan and admittedly love the Cubs. When it comes to financial planning, most financial companies ask, what's your salary? At Kirby Wealth Management Group, we ask, what's your story? We know building the right financial plan means looking at more than money. That's why we start by asking the right questions, listening to what matters most to you, then guiding you every step of the way to help you live the life you want now and years from now. Call us today at 217-355-9390. It's the second hour of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM WDWS Champaign-Urbana. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. Here again are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Hour number two. We do have the phone lines open. Mr. Tate is across the way. And we're with you until 11 o'clock this morning on a nice-looking Saturday morning. We'll say hi to our friend David Kaplan in Chicago. How you doing, David? I'm good, Steve and Laura. What's going on this 
gorgeous Saturday. It is a nice day, and the Cubs are on a winning streak. That's and right. They ended a losing streak. They're hot. <laughs> yeah, if you want to call one game a streak, I guess I can co-sign that with you. They you were, are awful. You were kind of on a streak yourself this week, weren't you, to, talking about the, the plight of the Cubs these days? Yeah, it's just – I think it's disrespectful to a massive fan base to charge – what they charge for tickets, fourth highest ticket price in the game, and when you factor in parking and food and all of that, the Wrigley Field experience is the single most expensive in all of baseball, more than the Yankees, more than the Dodgers, more than the Red Sox. And you can't ask those prices and run that garbage outfit out there that they're running out. And that's not a personal shot at the players. It's just stating fact. Frank Schwindel is not part of your future. Patrick Wisdom isn't part of your future. And Jason Hayward isn't part of your future. And so to break camp with a team that they broke camp with is a big you-know-what to the rest of the fan base. And I think that's unconscionable. What is it that uh, the Cubs have done wrong over time? I mean, if if I look back at – well. This would mark the 58th time in 83 years that they finished 500 or worse, I guess. And the Ricketts family took over in 2009. Six times they've been under 500. There, there's no consistency to the Cubs. What, what's the explanation? They look so good in 215 and 216, and, and I thought 217 they would be fine. And what happened? They've done a horrific job in player development. That's just a fact. Okay. Horrific. Go, and I, there's no bigger fan of what Theo Epstein and Jed Hoyer accomplished in 2016. It was amazing to come in here. I was on with you many, many times all those years ago telling you the infrastructure's horrible at Wrigley. Stadium needs to be renovated. Spring training facilities, you know, subpar. Their Dominican facility, from everything I've been told, I never got to visit it, was awful. And Tom Ricketts ponied up the money, and they built a palace. They got all of that taken care of. And once that happened, you got your stadium, you got your spring training paid for by the taxpayers of Mesa. You should never, ever have to go through a full-scale rebuild again, ever. Much as I despise the St. Louis Cardinals, (laughs) it's the number one most hated team in my life. I can't stand them. They never rebuild. They never are under 500. And if they're around 500, people there freak out. Here, I got people tweeting at me this week. Oh, relax, Cap. This is the way you build. You have to lose 100. No, you do not. Do you see the Yankees ever lose 100 games? You don't. You don't see the St. Louis Cardinals. This, what they're doing right now is such a middle finger to the fan base because their ability to develop from the minor league system under Theo, I tell it to, I've told it to him to his face. It's just a fact. They did a horrible job in drafting and developing. Chris Bryant, my dead grandmother could have drafted him at number two. I mean, who did they really draft that you go, boy, that was a hell of a pick. Sixth overall, Albert Almora, he's not here anymore. Uh, Ian Happ, I like Ian. I think he's a really solid player. Ninth overall, it's okay. He's just a nice player. Schwarber, you didn't even give him a, a contract. You 
non-tendered him. He's hitting what a buck ninety-nine with twelve home runs. He's okay. That was the fourth overall pick. Name me the pitching you've developed. So well, there, now, now they're getting into it. the pitching has really been, I think, a, a, a big problem. And, and then they let Darvish go. I mean, I, I don't know how good Darvish is, but I think he's pretty good. Oh, I mean, you paid Darvish all that money, and then you go up. Oh, we got hit by biblical losses. That was a dumb quote. I like Tom. That was a dumb quote. You can't say that. And all I know is that I look at that minor league system. Maybe there's guys starting to come. Maybe. I like. I love Chris Morrell. Um, mm-hmm. Brennan Davis, your best prospect, he just had back surgery. Ed Howard, your top five prospect, he just had hip surgery. Prospects are guys who've never done it. You could tell me all you want. Well, they got this guy capping this deal, and they got Pete Crow Armstrong. Pete Crow Armstrong has never played in the big leagues. Show me guys that get to the big leagues and make an impact. And the fact that you are owned by a billionaire family and your payroll is what it is and you are not really trying to win, it, it, for me it's embarrassing. I'm envisioning Cubs fans by the thousands on the cliff or on the, <laughs> on the ledge. How are you well, going to talk them off? Well, yeah, and what's the attendance going to be like the rest of the season? And I'll ask you that about the White Sox, too. So I think the attendance, the Cubs have 23,000 season ticket holders or thereabouts. That's double what the White Sox have in terms Mm -hmm. of season ticket holders. So they've always got a base. And there's going to be a lot of people who will be like, I'm not giving up my tickets because if they ever win again, holy smokes, I've got to be able to go to the games. And I'm not telling people they shouldn't go. I'm not that guy that calls you and says, hey, you should boycott the games. Who am I to tell you how to spend your entertainment dollars? All I'm telling you is you should flood their inbox with emails saying, you want me to pay how much for a ticket and that's the outfit you're running out there? Are we serious here? That's what we're doing. We're the Chicago Cubs. This is not Kansas City. This isn't Minnesota. This isn't Seattle. This is... Literally, the maybe other than the New York Yankees and the Los Angeles Dodgers, give me a bigger brand, a brand in Major League Baseball. It's the Chicago Cubs. And what they're doing, rebuilding for the second time in a decade with those resources? Come on. That, that, if I was Tom, and I, I've said this, and I'm going to do it. I have a YouTube channel that I hope people will subscribe to. And just search me. You'll find me. I do a recap after every Cubs and after every Sox game. And I'm going to do a mock press conference this week. And I am going to play the role of Tom Rickett. Okay. I want people to fire questions at me. <laughs> and I, how I would handle it. And I would tell Tom this if he was sitting right in front of me. Okay, what you're watching is unconscionable and it will never happen again. I'm going to get this thing fixed as fast as I can. Jed is being tasked to get this thing turned around so that next year you are not watching a team that took the field that had no chance of winning. None. Zero. There's no way you looked at that team in spring training and went good enough to win a World Series or at least to get to the playoffs. Zero chance. So that's what I think the owner should be doing. And I haven't heard him say that. Well, uh, let's switch over to the White Sox real quick. Uh, their attendance is not what it should be. Their performance is not what it should be. The, they gave up 13 runs to Houston yesterday. Um, 
I, I guess it's, is Tony going to survive? Yes. I, look, Jerry brought him back because, A, it's one of his best friends. They've been going. There's a breakfast club every Saturday in Scottsdale in the off season because Jerry's here in the summer and Tony's obviously managing. This has been going on for years. Jerry Reinsdorf, Tony La Russa, Doug Collins, Steve Stone, Bud Selig, Walt Jockety is there sometimes as well. He is not bringing this guy back and then going to fire him. Now, if Tony walked in and said, I'm the wrong voice, you need to make a change, that might be something different. Tony doesn't feel that way. So I would be floored if they fired Tony LaRusso. Well, is this, is, is this LaRusso's fault? I mean, the injuries no. are part of it. Well, if you go in, there's a stat you can find ESPN has called expected wins. And they take every single analytic, and they tell you, with that talent, with all these numbers, here's what your wins should be. The, the expected wins are five less than they have today. That doesn't mean that I agreed with Tony's move of walking Trey Turner on a one-two count. I, I get his you know, thoughts that I'm, I'd rather face Max Muncy with a lefty. Well, unfortunately, Tony... The lefty you had facing him was Bennett Souza, who has an ERA of nine. You couldn't go to Aaron Bummer because he's on the injured list. Then I'd rather take my chances on one and two that I can make one pitch or at least try to bury three sliders in the dirt and see if you can get him to get himself out. If he doesn't, okay, you've lost nothing. But to automatically free pass on one and two to enrage. I asked Scotty Podsednik, I did my show, and he came on as a guest. And he said, I can tell you how a major league player would feel. He said, had that been me and I'm not a home run hitter, I would have been so disrespected that you think you're locked in and then you take it to another level. And Max Muncy said after the game, that was so you know, much of a shot at me that when he hit home plate, he was looking at the White Sox bench and he was swearing at Tony. Yeah, you, you can't challenge a guy's manhood like that i thought it was a horrific decision well uh do you see uh the white side they're only a couple games under 500 i mean they can still bring this thing back can't they i mean the league isn't the the division isn't made up of uh yankee and houston teams correct do you know what the atlanta braves record was i think august the third i think is the correct date. people could check on google a third or fourth of august last year they were three games under 500. Mm-hmm. The Atlanta Braves. Mm-hmm. And they made three astute trades. They got a bullpen arm, and they went and got Solaire and Jock Peterson. And well, guess what? Where they were won the, the ring. Where were the Cardinals when they had that 17-game winning streak? Before they had the 17-game winning streak. There's another great example. Mm-hmm. So if you really look at this, this White Sox team has had their complete projected opening day lineup together for exactly zero games. Zero. Not one. Mm. Zero because of injury. Tim Anderson should be back this week. Aloy should be back, I'm going to guess, two weeks. You just got Lance Lynn back. He's made one start. Mm-hmm. So now you got to get Liam Hendricks back. He's saying July 1. Tony said, no, we're going to be more careful. I'm thinking it's like July 10. But either way, at some point, you've got to think the injuries are going to turn. 
and that you're going to be able to get this whole thing where you need it to be, healthy, and then let's gear up and let's go. You're done with the Yankees. You're done with the Rays. You're done with the Red Sox. So let's see. You'll be done with Houston. Let's see where you go. And I, I do think there's enough talent there to win a World Series if they're healthy. A couple of more minutes with David Kaplan in Chicago. Let's talk about the NBA draft coming up as it might affect the Bulls. And also your thoughts on Kofi Coburn and what uh, what the week might hold for him. Well, I'd love to see the Bears go get Kofi Coburn. <laughs> that guy at left tackle or at uh, tight end, that's not going to happen. But, uh, you know, I, I just – I really like him as a prospect. I don't think he's a super high first-round pick because I just think he's so raw offensively. But physically, man, I'd like to have that guy. And I think he – from what I hear and the times I've talked to Brad – he has a very good work ethic. Yeah, he does. The case, and he gets into a system where they'll let him come along slow, develop him as an offensive player. There's no reason he can't be a really good rim protector at the start and then develop his offensive game. Uh, as far as the Bulls, look, there's a lot of thought that they might go trade for Rudy Gobert. But if Patrick Williams has got to be part of that price, and I'm assuming he does, that's a really tough ask for me. I think Patrick Williams, who's 20 years old, is going to be a really good player. If you go back and look up Co- um, Kawhi Leonard's numbers as a college player moving to the pros, his first four years, it took him until he was in his fourth year to average 15 points a game. Kawhi Leonard's one of the 25 greatest players in the history of the sport now. Now, I'm not telling you Patrick Williams will be, but what I'm telling you is, Patrick Williams is 20 years old. He's dealt with some injury. He should have a chance to be a really impactful player at some point down the road. So for me to give him up, and now you want me to take $160 million left on Rudy Gobert's deal, I agree he's a very good defensive player. Is he a great enough scorer that he impacts the game at both ends? I'm not sure. So be a tough putt for me to take all that money and make that trade. It sounds to me like the the Bulls need somebody to go along with Pat Williams as opposed to losing him to stay with him and yet somebody to back him up and support him. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, again, is he going to develop? That is the big question. His personal development is, for me, the key to the Chicago Bulls taking that next step. Is Patrick Williams going to develop into you know, a really legitimate two-way player and scorer? If he is, I'm hanging on to that guy. If they've had him for two years and like, oh, maybe we reached a little bit on this pick, okay, then I guess you would be willing to move him sooner rather than later. So that is, you know, what Arturis and his staff have to determine. But they've got to get two shooters. They have no perimeter shooting. And I think Io will be better as a shooter. He's not a pure point guard for me yet, Io. He's a really good player. And mm-hmm. I'm going to move I'm getting rid of Kobe White I'm not going to extend him so I'm losing a guy who should have been a shooter wasn't good enough so if I can keep IO use him as a combo type guard I want to draft a shooter at 18 or a rim protector I want to use my two mid-level exceptions to sign another shooter or another rim protector IO's got to take a next step for me Patrick Williams has to take the next step and I got to get Zach Levine re-signed so it's a lot to do in an off season, 
we'll see if they got a blockbuster in them. You know, there's some people still think they're going to get Gobert. We'll find out. What do the Bears have to do for you? Um, probably see if they could play in the USFL for a couple <laughs> years. <laughs> they're horrible. I mean, they are truly horrible. But I think that they're okay with that. I really do. I truly believe Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus picked a lane and they said, we're not going to add on to this team because we don't think we can win a championship with it. And if that's how they feel, then they picked the right lane. Uh, you got Robert Quinn didn't show up for minicamp because Robert Quinn doesn't want to be here. He wants to go somewhere where he can have some chance of winning. And I don't blame him. I understand he's 33-year-old or 32-year-old you know, veteran football player coming off a career year. So if they can move him, I, I think they're one of the worst teams in the NFL. I really do. I think they're going to be a four-win team, something like that. I hope that they're picking in the top two. And if they can get the top one, that's great. Perfect world, Justin Fields plays decent enough with a bad team around him that you go, that's our guy. We can, we can win with him if we get surround him with the right weapons. Then I could take the first or second pick, which will either be C.J. Stroud at Ohio State or Bryce Young at Alabama, and I can trade out of that pick. They gave up the Niners three number ones to get Trey Lance at number three when the Bears got Justin Fields at 11. If that's what I can get, three number ones, okay, you can have your quarterback. I'm getting three number ones, and I'm going to have well north of $100 in cap space. This should be a one-year hiccup. And in 2023, you should be reasonably competitive. And in 2024, you should be the best team in the division if they execute. Dave Kaplan, everybody, we appreciate your time. I hope that uh, hope you get some good questions. Yeah, that, I, was uh, say, I want to hear the answers. <laughs> as your mock oh, yeah. uh, press you, conference. You, it'll be on there. You'll see me p- tweeting out the link. It'll be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to uh, doing that because I truly want them to win when I – you know, rip them on radio, TV, or social media. I'm not ripping them because I don't love them. I do. That's my favorite team. I'm just dumbfounded how you could be owned by billionaires, have the revenue streams they have, a renovated stadium, and all that success, and you're right back where you were in 2012, and I'll argue with you they're worse today because they have all those things. At least they had an excuse back then. Hey, we appreciate your time, David. Thank you very much. Thanks, Cap. Go Illini. <laughs> Talk to you soon. That's David Kaplan in Chicago at 1023. Need to take a break. We'll do that and be back with more. Stay with us. It is 1025. The phone line is open, 217-356-9397. like to join us. We've talked some baseball, basketball, football, golf. Whatever's on your mind is open game if you'd like to join us. We've had Corey Bradford, Doug Bouchon, and David Kaplan on so far this morning on this Father's Day weekend. Got any big Father's Day plans? You gonna... Yeah, I do. I'm yeah. not going to tell you, though. <laughs> really, wasn't... you don't have to tell me. I just want to know the... wanted to make sure you had something to do. Yes, sir. My, my daughters are taking care of me. And they always have. They always will, won't they? And they always will. And Count on them. Good to know that you've got the people in your corner, that's for sure. <laughs> Uh, baseball scores from last night. The Red Sox over the Cardinals 6-5. to The Cubs beat the Braves 1-0. The Astros beat the White Sox 13-3. to The U.S. Open is uh, continuing. A little local flavor with Nick Hardy. He tees off mid-afternoon this afternoon. 
when you're on that first page of the leaderboard, you're uh, oh, yeah. you're going late. And, and he's he was at one time he was he was a leader. He was a leader <laughs> in the clubhouse. Uh, I think all the guys that played in the afternoon uh, got some pretty favorable conditions that they may not been have been expecting. There was even I heard even talk of. Uh, possible uh, lightning that might even slow the thing down, but there was no rain, no lightning, no nothing. Thomas Peters tees off at 139 Eastern, so that's 1239 here, and then Nick Hardy at 312, so 212, so mid-afternoon, as I mentioned, so yeah, it'll be, a, if you're a golf fan, certainly be fun to keep an eye on, and uh, if you're within two or three shots of the lead, <laughs> Uh, starting the uh, but do, the weekend do you, do you of a believe, major. I'm, I'm not sure this is accurate, but I I heard this that when um, Tiger pulled out, that's when Hardy uh, got in the tournament because he was an alternate. Remember, he was. And we do know that Tiger did pull out, and uh, maybe that's a position he took. It'd be a nice story, a nice little byline or a little side story. Yeah. And, it, Nugget. and there may have been more than Tiger pull out, so that's well. Another, I think there were. Yeah, so there were more than more than one alternate. So, mm-hmm. uh, several guys were in that alternate range, and hopefully to get the call up. And uh, and he made. But his there was winner. a time yesterday. At one point, five of the six leaders. At one point, five of the six leaders were players who got in uh, at the last ditch. You know, the the final qualifying. Well, you've got uh, two guys tied at minus four. You've got one, two, three, four, five, six guys tied, or two guys tied at minus five, six guys at four, and six guys at three. Okay. And some other folks that are on the fringe there that could move in there with a good round today. You don't have to go crazy low. You know, if you can keep it under par, which means you're shooting in the 60s. We finally got the talk away from all the, the other tour, didn't we? Well, and the guys from the other tour didn't fare very well in not the U.S. Many Open. Of them, no, and especially Phil Mickelson. Yeah, he started out really bad. He could not putt, and he was missed the cut at eleven over par. Yeah, well, he was he was dead after the first day. I mean, he and and um, some other Dustin Johnson not playing very well either uh, there as well, and, and and Bryson DeChambeau. I don't know what's up with him. He might have been a a flash in the pan there for a while because he's he's nowhere near the guy he was before. Well, he's uh, he's got a, <laughs> a different approach to the game. You know, he you said he was going to use driver on every hole. Like I, I don't think you can do that. I mean, we can talk about this with after the break. But you asked me a question this week that got me thinking a little bit. If somebody offered you two hundred million dollars, could you turn it down? Well, obviously, would you care where it came from? I mean, there's a lot of circumstances involved. They offered they offered Tiger even more. Sure, but you're giving up your sponsorships. You're giving up some friends. You're giving up a, a lot of respect that uh, you have earned over time. Uh, the difference is that some of the guys uh, were not especially beloved on the tour, including Mickelson, who was a big fan favorite, but it wasn't necessarily. A favorite with right. people that knew him personally, and and he's had troubles financially. He's had troubles in gambling, terrible, terrible troubles in gambling. That uh, maybe he just felt like this was two hundred two hundred million is an awful lot. I mean, it's an awful lot of money. Didn't even have to play well. That's just I mean, to he didn't come have play. to do anything the rest of his life. Right. I mean, and I the other point is he's fifty one years old. He's at the 
he's at the end of his tour play anyway. I mean, maybe he can play another year or two, sure. But the point is that now or never, take it or, or don't. And, boy, the 200 is an awful lot to turn down. Let's go to the phones. Mark calling from Jacksonville, Florida. Hey, Mark. Hey, good morning. I want to chime in on what you were mentioning in the first part of your show about um, Stephen Curry being the greatest shooter of all time. And it's hard to argue that he isn't. You know, you'd look silly trying to argue that he isn't certainly one of the greatest, if not the greatest. But the guy who always gets, never gets mentioned anymore is the guy I think would rate right there with him is Larry Bird. And when he was playing, I mean, you you thought he was never going to miss. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, we could argue. I mean, I, I and and was Bird a better player than Curry? Well, I would say probably yes, but I think he is. But you know, we're going. And I, I'm sorry, Lauren. Well, you're going back in time, and there, and then you're try, trying to compare right. a player from another era, you know, and that's really hard to do. Right, and when they call per, uh, Curry a point guard, I don't think he's a point guard at all. He he gets a lot, of, you know, he drives a lot, but I don't think he sets up. He does to some degree, of course. But well, he's, he gets his assists I, every game. Yeah, I think they've gone more to, you know, you see a lot more point forwards. I could even put Bird in that category. He was a very good passer, but uh, mm-hmm. like LeBron and James yep. Harden, guys like that. Yeah. Well, I saw I saw a list of the top, oh, I think about twelve players. They, they were put in categories with, uh, with uh, I guess uh, with Michael Jordan and LeBron were. In one category, okay, and then the next category, maybe had another four or five players with uh, with uh, Jabbar, and then there was another category, but no category uh, out of about I'd say close to a dozen players in- included uh, a guy that uh, that I thought was at, at at one time Oscar Robertson was considered maybe the best player in the world at one time, and did an awful lot of things, and yet he's not even included in there now. It's just another era. It goes too far back, I guess. Could I make one more comment on point guards? You know, the top three point guards that I could come up with, you know, in the times I've been watching, would be guys like Steve Nash, of course, Magic. Um, I think you'd have to include John Stockton in there with all the assist records. But, you know, as far as point guards go, I don't think Curry would rank ahead of any of those guys. Well, who would you rather have on your team? Now that's a different story. <laughs> well, if he's playing like point guard, it isn't. I mean, if he's a point and that guy's a point, which one would you rather have? But but his value is as a shooter, as okay. a three-point okay. shooter, spreading the floor. Uh, no I question. Don't think his value as as an assist man. Well, I mean, but count as, how many assists did he have? I mean, it, it seems to me like he's getting a number, a good number of assists every game. Not not like Stockton. You're right. But, uh, okay, I mean, if two people play uh, at, at the one position and they play it differently, uh, which one do you want? Right, I agree with you. I know the point you're making, Lauren. I agree with you. He's a terrific player. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to dog out uh, Stephen Curry. I think he's fabulous. But, you know, it's just an open debate yep. on some of those yep. categories, I think. Good stuff, Mark. Thanks for the call. We appreciate Thank it. Thank you. Yep. 1034. Need to take a break. We'll do that and be back with more Illini Pellis Saturday Sports Talk after this. Open line the rest of the way. If you want to jump in, you've been waiting uh, for you the guests and uh, waiting to call in. Now's your time. Yeah, we had uh, David Jones uh, uh, going to be on with us. And he got 
tied up with something else and it couldn't come on. So that happens uh, from time to time. And disappointed we couldn't hear him because David's always got a lot of good things to say, Steve. A lot of stuff to talk about if you want to jump in here. 217-356-9397. Kind of a interesting uh, scenario with basketball coaches. You heard Doug Bouchon say that uh, Brad Underwood was in the gym and uh, Tim Anderson and some of the other guys are out this, this weekend. You guys, the football coaches, uh, doing uh, their thing, getting ready for their season. But the basketball recruiting especially just uh, never stops, does it? There's no off season. Yeah, and, and I'm reading uh, comments from K- uh, Kedrick Prince, I believe, that we might still take another, uh, take another big man if we can mm-hmm. get him. Right. And there's a, apparently a player in France that they're looking at. And um, I, it looks to me like, you know, I, I think we've got one of those seasons coming up where you can definitely can you can definitely play all five. Uh, you can play all five forwards if you if you uh, if you want to and and maybe get away with uh, Coleman Hawkins defending the post. But um, there'll be some teams that you can't do that with. And and. Uh, particularly Purdue and Michigan, I would think. Somebody asked me last night, uh, if you had to pick a starting lineup for Illinois basketball today, who would be the the the, the five? Who would be the center? And well, if you give me six, I'll, I'll do <laughs> Exactly. We don't know about, enough about Dane Danger. I, I mean, is he your starting center? If you're playing a good quality center on the other team, you've got his five fouls that you may want to use, and, and you, you might be able to, when the other team substitutes, maybe you can bring in your smaller lineup. Uh, I, I don't think that Coleman Hawkins wants to play. I don't think we have anybody who wants to play center other than Danger that's going to play. I mean, uh, I think that uh, of their top seven players that, that uh, you know, we're going to have to kind of mix and, and match. And I think there'll be a lot of that this year. But, but you see when you've got, Rod, you've got four guys in that six, you've you got actually five guys at Rogers and you've got uh, Meyer and Shannon. And then you've got uh, Goody along with Melendez. So you've got five guys that you could play as a unit, but, they won't do that. I mean, right. they'll they'll play a point guard and probably be Sky Clark when, when when he gets healthy, and and it'll probably be a lot of Dane Danger in there at center. But I could see kind of a rotation of those seven. Maybe Epps being the eighth guy. Is that the way you see it? Yeah. You know, and I've the other thing to remember about Underwood, when the four minute timeout comes, what's going to happen? Some players are going to come in. We new, know that a new shift. He he does it every year, regardless of whatever team he has. He's going to substitute early. And probably take out his center because the center's getting foul trouble all the time. But I would I would look for him to mix, mix and match on his centers and maybe play uh, play play Coleman there uh, in those situations where it works out defensively. You know, I think what may have uh, the event that may have started that conversation was the pickup of Meyer because mm-hmm. now you've got a guy mm-hmm. that. You know he's going to be in the starting lineup, right? And he could and defend the post uh, sure. in certain situations too. He's but six yeah, you ten. Look, looking at him at that four slot, and mm-hmm. uh, so mm-hmm. okay, then what? And mm-hmm. Does that move Hawkins over? Or does it move Hawkins to the bench, or does it move Danger well, to the bench? I, when I think when we start talking threes and four, two threes and fours this year, it's going to be a little different. I think they're interchangeable. I think they are. And uh, and when I say to the bench, that's not a negative thing because those guys are going to play. Yeah. And uh, 
how many are going to play beyond the, the eight that you talked about is the, the big question. But I heard Meyer say something again the other day that, that, that indicated he wants more playing time than he was getting. I mean, that that's his main deal. Sure. And as you will see in the draft Thursday, Baylor's got two freshmen in that general size category, wing category, that are going to be drafted, maybe both of them, in the first round. That's why he's not getting more playing time. They, they're they're so good that right. I mean, how does how do they you know how does Drew attract so many good players? Yeah, and Underwood had, uh, had talked, and we'll hear some comments from him uh, about uh, uh, Matt Meyer coming up in a minute or so. But uh, he's been following him since his high school days, and uh, well, he recruited him yeah. out of Oklahoma State, right? He did. Let's uh, we have a phone call here. Let's uh, go okay. to the phones and uh, say hi to Steve. You're on the air with us. Go ahead, Steve. Ah, good morning, fellas. When you were talking about the golf, uh, the guys that just got in because other guys dropped out. Right. It reminded, it reminded me of, uh, I went to, I had tournaments PGA over at Crooked Stick, and uh, a young fella got a call like it in the evening, and he had to drive up to Indianapolis and hadn't played the court, course, and he won it daily. That's that's right, John Daly. Yeah, that was pretty amazing. He hadn't been on the course or anything. He just came in and wailing away. <laughs> well, he that's the way he played. He wailed away, didn't he? And still does. Yes, he, yeah. I just thought I, that came to my mind. That was a long time ago when I did that. All right. Appreciate you sharing that with us, Steve. Thanks. 1042 right. is the time. Father's Day weekend, don't forget to check out Game Day Spirit, the fan store, or online if you're looking for the perfect gift for your Illini dad. They've got new arrivals from uh, some of the favorite brands like Horn Legend, Tommy Bahama, Nike, and many more. And uh, those items are available now in stores and online at gamedayspirit.com. They've got a Father's Day gift guide 22 up there for you to check out with some outstanding Items for the Illini dad in your life. Check them out at uh, Game Day Spirit. We'll take a break and be back with more Illini Pellas Saturday Sports Talk after this. Stay with us. 1048, uh, ch- check that, 1046. Don't time going too fast, do Illini Pellas Saturday Sports Talk with uh, Tate and Kelly till 11. Marty is with us from Pinehurst. What do you say, Marty? Morning. Shaping shaping up to be a good U.S. Open, Steve. You'll be happy to watch it. I will, indeed. Yeah. Always enjoy watching good that course. on Father's Day weekend. What are the odds that Boston would have the Cardinals in town, the NBA Finals, and U.S. Open all at the same time? Yeah, that is amazing, isn't it? And yeah. somehow Albert Pujols managed to get a, a suite at the Boston Garden or whatever the garden they call it. How do you do that? I don't know. <laughs> I heard I heard that A he had more pull than you did, Steve, and even you, Lauren, and I also heard that he had multi million dollar contracts that also helped a little well, bit. Well, I understand all that. I just wanna know about the timing of it. My first thought was <laughs> why would there be at a late date, why would there be a suite One available? available yeah. <laughs> now now, is he smart enough to look at the schedule ahead of time and say, you know, what if the uh, Celtics or, were in the finals? We're going to be in Boston. Let's try to do no, that. I yeah. wouldn't think so. I don't or think so either. He have an, 
Or does he have an agent that also has some players on the Celtics that are clients of his? That's probably more like it right there. Yeah. Hey, uh, uh, I wouldn't worry too much about who's in the starting lineup next year, guys. And I, I watched Underwood when he was at Stephen F. Austin, and he loves to mix and match. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's going to have a team to mix and match with. He's even got a young man who just played on the U.S. Uh, under-18 team that could play point forward if you wanted to really go big and really get physical. I think the people that play are the people that are going to be able to rebound because he lost a big dominant center that got a lot of rebounds. So whoever is willing to get on the glass is, and play defense is probably going to play. And a lot of different guys are going to play. It's going to be a, a style that people will love to watch. And he's got a lot more options because he doesn't have to account for a big guy that doesn't necessarily play well on the perimeter or in ball screens. So it'll be fun. Yeah, we talked to him this week. He was kind of uh, licking his chops on what this summer was going to bring as far as the learning piece of it because he's got so many uh, new guys and young guys. uh, uh, But he's got options. And coaches love options, Steve. who's Who's going to lead Illinois in scoring? Oh man, I my first guess would be my first guess would be Shannon, but it could be any one of five guys. I mean, who do you think, Lauren? Because it, I thought maybe, Shannon. Maybe. I I picked Shannon uh, in my column yeah. for tomorrow, and uh, but I think that Meyer will score. I think uh, I think Meyer will be more aggressive offensively, and then the, everybody's wondering exactly how Melendez is going to evolve because he showed yeah. so much potential. And yep. he'd be really good in a fast-breaking game. I, I don't. We'll see how. It all depends on how good you are in the half court because when it comes yep. right down and to it, in the Big Ten, you just don't get many breaks. You don't get many fast you get, breaks. Uh, you get. It's going to depend on how healthy and how good Sky Clark really is too. Mm-hmm. That's right. Because he could have a lot to say about who scores. He could have a lot to say about it. Yeah. Um, now the other topic you brought up earlier in the show when you're talking about. Uh, different relievers coming in at different parts of the game. Yeah. It's it, it's also the fact that relievers from year to year are not the same. That's right. Because last year uh unless his name is Hader. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. TJ came in last year the lefty and just through double play after double play kind of remind me of a Seth Manis from the left-hand side didn't walk anybody got her out. This year he's got a 7 something ERA. So He's not the same as he was last year. I would expect at the deadline you're going to see the Cardinals pick up a couple of relief people because they need help in the middle of that. And they're also going to hope that Hicks comes back and they'll probably put him in the bullpen, and uh, that'll help a little bit too. But they need help in the middle to the back end of the bullpen because they're not as consistent there as they were in the second half last year. Well, they also need some help from – Flaherty, who didn't look real sharp the other night in his well, first time back. I, I, I realize you cut him a little slack on that, but uh, they, well, they need another starter. Time back. Steve, when is the last time you only got two rehab starts and you bring him back to the big leagues? I mean, they didn't build up pitch count, and I know they got a theory that he'll build it up here, but I would have rather seen him get four or five relief starts and get everything under his belt before he came back. Or not relief start, but, you know, rehab start. Right. I, I didn't like I didn't like the way they brought him back after two starts. They did that because he wanted to do that. They, that yeah, wasn't well, their call. I think he he lobbied for that. 
well, he can lobby, but, you know, you still get to kind of say, no, nope, we're going to do one more. You know, somebody's got to be a big boy there and say something. I get that. Anyway, I mean, that's, that's just me. That's just me talking. Didn't mean much, but they're, they're going to, they, the good news is they have proven that they got enough young players that can play that if they want to trade and get pieces, they've got people to trade to get pieces because they can't play all these guys going forward because they got two cornerstones at first and third. And they got a lot of guys that can play that position and play outfield and, and they keep finding guys like Edmund and now Donovan that are Donovan, so, so versatile. Oh, 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 Donovan's something. And he came out of almost nowhere. I, I hadn't heard of him until the Arizona Fall League. So I don't know. There, I'll tell you one thing, and Lauren hit, the, hit it earlier when he was talking with Kaplan, and Kaplan is a joy to listen to. Mm-hmm. I love when you guys have him on. The Cubs do such a poor job of development, it's a miracle. I don't know how you could be that bad on purpose, you know, they haven't developed a starting pitcher in so long. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. And uh, and position-wise, as he said, his dead grandmother could have picked Bryant and done well. I mean, we're we're just lucky. The Cardinals, for some reason, have a farm system that keeps doing things that we don't even know they can do. And I'm sure glad they do. Well, they keep bringing anyway, pitchers along, and then, and you you've got to do that. That's that's been the Cub problem. I think you yeah. know he said well. Wisdom's not their future, and Hayward's not their future, and and no. Swindell's Swindell's not their future. But no. it doesn't matter. I mean, you got to have the pitching first. Yep, pitching well, first. Look at, the, look at the organizations that consistently win. You look at the Dodgers. You look at the Cardinals. You look at Tampa Bay. They all develop in-house pitching. They all do. Uh, Atlanta does to to a large extent too. I mean. If you don't develop internal pitching, it's going to cost you a fortune, and you can't afford that many pitchers. You just you can't do it. Anyway, great show, guys, as always. Marty, thanks for the call, as always. We appreciate right. it. Bye-bye. 10.53, we'll take a final break and be back with some final words right here on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Stay with us. The Pella Window Showroom in Champaign specializes in windows and doors. Illini Pella can help you select the right window and door for your project, whether it's for replacements, remodeling, or new construction. Right now, they ask that you plan further ahead to allow more time to get your windows and doors in stock. Labor and material shortages are causing some extended lead times. Illini Pella, 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign, PellaofChampaign.com. Welcome back to the show. We've got about Four minutes left here before the 11 o'clock hour. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. We were talking about Illinois basketball and the, the guys that are here and the guys that are getting here this weekend. And the guy who'll be the last to get here is Baylor transfer uh, transfer Matthew Meyer, who's going to wrap up some classes that take him into early uh, July before he gets to town to, on his transfer. But uh, Brad Underwood had some comments about he and some other guys this week, and here's what he had to say about Meyer. Obviously excited about adding Matt, uh, a guy that uh, uh, I've known since high school. Uh, saw, saw his team play in high school a great deal. Uh, he's coming off a terrific career uh, and run at Baylor. Uh, he, that's part of the lure. He's been extremely well coached. Uh, he's a young man that's that's been where we want to go. And uh, that experience, uh, he's tremendously talented. His versatility. Uh, excites me. He can literally play one through five. Uh, I think he's an elite defender. 
could guard any of those positions. And then he's uh, he's very gifted offensively. He's got a he's got a bravado. He's got a swag about him. Uh, he's been a big shot maker his whole career. And I'm excited. I think our style of play, getting back to playing a little more up tempo, really suits him. And and so I'm excited to have him. Uh, uh, in the fold and, and get him in here in, uh, in a few weeks. That's Brad Underwood on uh, Matthew Meyer, and he, he kind of lights up when he talks about uh, a little different style and guys that really like to defend. You know, I I don't recall Illinois ever having two players like Meyer and Shannon who just are moving right into the starting lineup right. as transfers. We've had transfers before, and we've had some good ones, but... Uh, Two in one year like this, uh, I think, is is special. And you can make a case that, um, well, some people say maybe they're the two best players that were in the transfer, and only got them both. But certainly they're probably both in the top five available transfers, and only got two of them. Yeah, and if you look back, Illinois has gotten some transfers that had to sit out. Norman had to sit out. Uh, obviously, Kenny Battle had to sit out. I mean, we've had guys that came in but we knew uh, we they were here for a year these are these are just fresh new body guys are walking in and just walking right into the starting lineup as far as we can tell talk about battle and norman a couple of transfers back to back too bad they didn't get to play with each other they played against each other that in practice yes they did yeah those were some outstanding uh, duels there uh, back in the day remembering those so what Plummer, are you going to, Plummer was a good pickup yeah. last year. But and a guy we, we didn't know about, really. Was, yeah. We didn't follow West Coast basketball just, much. No, he was a three-point shooter for sure. And he turned out to be one of the best uh, transfers in the country, you know, one of the best pickups certainly for anybody last year. So you're going to watch some golf and then uh, later on some baseball today? Just I think so. Back? I think so. I'm, I'm getting uh, seeing too much t- I'm spending too much time on TV, but after this week I'll try to get away from it. Well, these are... You know, number one is baseball season, and mm-hmm. you watch baseball. I watch too much baseball, that's for sure. You watch more than I do because you'll watch a Cubs game and I won't. But just remember, <laughs> I've got two TVs. I know. I can watch. Another. So do I, but I, I don't have I just put, I put the Cardinals on the on the other TV, and I watch. I don't pay as much attention as you think. Right. Well, okay. But you know, the great thing about it, if something big happens, they always replay it anyway. That's right. That's going to take care of the show. We appreciate you listening. Thanks uh, to our guests, Corey Bradford, Doug Bouchon, and Dave Kaplan. Thanks to our producer, uh, Dave Leak, on WDWS Champaign-Urbana. For Lauren Tate, I'm Steve Kelly. Have a good uh, weekend. Happy Father's Day, everybody.